It's time for Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds. Oh my. The best NFL podcast this side of the Mason-Dixon line. What do Falcons do? Falcons, Falcons rise up. Here's your hosts, Josh Stitcher and Patrick Edson. Welcome to Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds, the best football podcast this side of the Mason-Dixon line, presented by the Morning Five, and once again, I'd like to give a special thanks to our friends Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. I'm Patrick Edson, and he's Josh Stitcher. How you doing tonight, Stitch? I'm doing pretty well, uh, for the most part. I'm still got over yesterday, but for a Monday, new week, can't complain. I hope you're doing well as yourself. Man, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, I think I'm probably maybe feeling a little bit better about yesterday than you because. I mean, you were there, so uh, you got to witness the uh, debacle at Mercedes-Benz yesterday firsthand. I know we were texting back and forth at one point, and and um, we were both definitely frustrated fans. And so, with that in mind, let's go ahead and we can't recap uh, Week Nine's um, game uh, between the Falcons and the Vikings. If you uh, are a Falcon fan like Josh and I are, then you know the Fal- Falcons lost yesterday in convin- well, not convincing fashion, but in a manner in which we have become accustomed to as lifelong Falcon fans. I use the term falconing uh, in in the way they lose. Uh, 30 to 28 Vikings come away with the victory. You know, uh, the Falcons scored the most points they have all season on offense yesterday. And then they gave up the most points on defense they've had all season yesterday. Um, And that's back-to-back weeks. They gave up, I believe it was 30 to the Titans last week and then 31 to the Vikings this week. Last week was against a rookie quarterback making his first start. And then this week it was Josh Dobbs who wasn't even on the football team. The Vikings as of today, last week on Monday, he was still a Arizona Cardinal. Got traded on Tuesday, gets gets to Minnesota, doesn't take a snap, doesn't, doesn't even know probably half of the playbook, and he doesn't even know the names of all the offensive starters. And the starting quarterback goes down and Josh Dobbs, get, Dobbs gets inserted, and next thing you know, it's uh, a victory for the Minnesota Vikings. So, needless to say, deeply disappointed about yesterday's action. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, the game started off, and we got them with a three and out, and I said, okay, this defense looks pretty well locked in. Of course, they gave the uh, starting quarterback he had a concussion i mean they were on him he had a concussion he was knocked out of the ball game in comes josh dobbs and i certainly remember josh dobbs you know i'm a georgia fan so i remember josh dobbs at tennessee and the heartbreak there at sanford stadium for that game um and it took josh dobbs a little bit probably on closer into the second quarter or better to get going. I really thought our defense was just going to keep him bottled up. I really thought our defense was just going to play solid. You know, they started out fantastic with their hair on fire, even had a safety in the second quarter, which is a rarity in in, uh, in professional football. But then all of a sudden, 
they just fell apart and made Dobbs look like a dadgum, uh, dadgum veteran. <laughs> just, he picked us apart. He picked us apart. He ran on us. I mean, he did what he wanted to for the most part. Yeah, I'm looking over my notes from yesterday as I was taking them, scribbling during the game. The Vikings, as you said, went three and out. Uh, and let's see, um, you know, in the first 15 plays, so I always like to know what the Falcons do the first 15 plays. Uh, I think it kind of gives you a inkling of what Arthur Smith is thinking about on offense. And in the first 15 plays, they ran the ball one, two, three, four times. Or, excuse me, five times. So, 10 of 15 plays, they threw the football. And I think what that is an indication of is that I think Arthur Smith is a little more comfortable with Tyler Heineke playing quarterback than Desmond Ritter playing quarterback. And I heard late this afternoon that that Smith has already said, hey, we're going to go with Heineke again on Sunday, and it's going to be a week-to-week evaluation. Uh, I think next week the Falcons, after this Sunday, after the road, road game to Arizona, the Falcons will have a bye week, and Smith said they'll reassess things then. So uh, we'll get Heineke again this Sunday against a very bad Arizona team. Um, and 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 I think probably another reason why he's starting him is because he knows we need this win on Sunday. We need to get back to 5-5 five and five going into the bye week. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And Taylor Heineke looked, for the most part, he looked composed – Calm, cool, and collected all day long. Um, I know we'll get into it in just a little bit, but I think he was only sacked one time. That's right. Our offensive line, our offensive line, did a pretty good job of protecting him. Um, I was a little disheartened though to see us only run the ball five times in those first fifteen plays. I mean, that's what we're built to do, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit as well. That final drive that we scored, we ran the ball. Nearly every single play just got the Minnesota's defense on their heels. They couldn't stop us. Well, I'm um, disappointed okay. that uh, that Bajan didn't play, didn't run the ball as much as he did. Uh, you got your, you know, first overall draft pick number eight from this past draft, and and he's on the sidelines or playing a decoy more than he's touching the ball, which doesn't make any sense to me, but. Uh, I mean, it, you know, you look at the statistics from yesterday and, and you look at what Falcons running backs did yesterday as a team. They ran the ball 28 times, but for only 110 yards, that's less than four yards a carry. And, you know, Bijan Robinson and, and Tyler Algier uh, did the bulk of that work. Um, I'll tell you who didn't do any work yesterday, and that was Cordero Patterson again. Uh, he caught the first pass of the game, and then he ran the ball one other time. Now, I know it, at some point they had him as questionable to return because he, he tweaked his ankle, but he, he ultimately came back into the game. But with, I think he was just on special teams at that point. But, I mean, I, I'm, just a, I'm just amazed at the lack of personnel groups in which B. John Robinson is, uh, maybe the better way to say this is, the number of personnel groups in which B. John Robinson is not on the field. I mean, he is your top 
10 pick. Top 10. And this guy, I mean, in some key parts of the game yesterday, he was standing on the sideline. It's like, what is Arthur Smith doing? It's like, it's almost as if that guy thinks too much about what he's trying to do on offense. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. And I kept scratching my head. I wasn't the only one. And there is there were plenty of longtime Falcon season ticket holders sitting all around us yesterday that were asking those same questions. And I was t- I talked to a couple of them. I said, you know, we do a podcast every Monday about, you know, this and all that stuff. And so we were just kind of talking and I was kind of listening to them vent and be frustrated, but Dijon is 22nd in the league in touches. And that just blows my mind because he's our number one overall top 10, like you said, top 10 draft pick, and he doesn't get to work. (laughs) I'm wondering what Kyle Pitts is even in that number. I mean, I know he's coming off an ACL, but, you know, we're 10 games into the season. And I know NFL players, you know, they play nicked up, but at some point it's like, why are these guys not on the field? It's just, just, but it, it seems like every time I turn around, Kaderil Hodge is on the field. Uh, you know, who else? Johnu Smith is on the field. Johnu Smith had more targets yesterday than any wide receiver in the Falcon offense. Uh-huh. I mean, it just blows my mind. It's like, what are we doing on offense? It's just. Uh, oh my gosh, Josh! I, I knew I was going to have an aneurysm tonight. I mean, I told my wife was like, "Make sure you don't, you know, uh, lose yourself on the podcast in the first ten minutes." And here it is at the nine fifty mark, and yeah, by God, I'm, I'm about ready to just yeah. chunk this thing in the trash. You know, um, you know, when you look at the Falcons' offense, they have scored fifteen touchdowns in nine games. Uh-huh. And 25 other teams in the NFL have scored more touchdowns than the Falcons have through nine games. Not only that, their offense has kicked 20 field goals, and no other team in the NFL has kicked more field goals than the Atlanta Falcons. Do you know that, that Young Way Koo, beyond 51 yards, is a lifetime 18 of 19? Now oh, that's yeah. that's that's awesome, but I would just assume not to have to kick any field goals beyond 51 yards. And the Falcons have the weapons on offense in order to do that. But some of these route combinations and schemes, like goodness, why is John New Smith running a jet sweep or an inside handoff on second down and two from second goal from the two yard line? I mean. Why? You've got you've got a a battering ram in Algier. You've got Bijan Robinson. You've got Cordell Patterson, and we're running inside handoffs inside the five on second down. I mean that whole series to me, after the Lorenzo Carter scoop and almost score, he gets him down first and goal at the one. First down, false start. Second down, we throw a wide receiver screen. Why are we throwing a wide receiver screen inside the 10-yard line? Why are we not throwing a pass into the end zone, for crying out loud? 
Then the third down play, or excuse me, the second down play is the jet sweep <laughs> to Smith. And then the third, finally third down, Smith, Smith says, well, you know, maybe we should try a Tyler Algier here on third and goal inside the five. And then that gets stuffed. And then we wind up having to get kick another field goal. I mean, it is the most frustrating. I'm sorry, Josh. I have been ranting. I apologize. It has just been the most frustrating thing to watch as a Falcon fan. I'm sick and tired of it. I agree. I agree with you 100%. And us Falcons fans deserve way better than what we're getting. Arthur Smith, I could call a better goal line offense than what Arthur Smith called. My 12-year-old son could call a better goal line offense than that guy right now. It's not difficult when you get the ball first and goal inside the one. Now, I get the false start, okay? That happens. Sometimes yes. that crap just happens. Yes. If you got, if you mean to tell me I've got four plays to get six yards, Dijon and Algier are going to be the workhorses. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I want all of you to know it's coming and load up and try to stop it because – got that right side of the offensive line that was so good last year and that's done pretty good this year that we're finally paying. Yeah. Let's get behind those horses. Look, say, if we can't score, get six yards in four plays, we probably don't need to be around here in the beginning anyway. Yeah. But trying to throw a screen, like you said, that's the dumbest thing I've seen. And then you run Jonu Smith on a wide receiver jet. <laughs> oh, my God. And the, and the bad thing about it, when he cut it up, all he had to do was keep stretching it, get around that outside defender, and he'd walk into the end zone. Yeah, I, I just, it just, I'm, I, I can't even. I mean, I. Oh, man, I'm sorry, Josh. I, I've lost it. I've lost it tonight. I mean, I. The fact of the matter is, is that I'm beginning to wonder if Arthur Smith is not the big problem. Is the big problem. He he is the big problem, and I know the beginning of the season. You know, you know, we didn't start this podcast till about four weeks ago, and prior to that, you know, I've talked to some friends and talked to some other folks that that really are Falcon fans, and I really was convinced that this year would be a year that we would see a big jump, especially because of the schedule. I mean, their schedule is so soft. And I thought, this you know, this will be the year that we'll see a an improvement and we're going to see a playoff team. And we still might see a playoff team. You know, they've got seven more games left to go, right? 17 games uh-huh. schedule. They're, 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 no, they're, they're eight more games. Excuse me. They're four and five yeah. right now. I'm counting the Arizona game already in my head and I don't need to do that. I need to stop. But my point is is they've got a week schedule. They've had a week schedule. The last three weeks should have the three of the last four weeks should have been Falcon wins. Period. We should not be four and five. We should be five and two. Five and two is where we should be right now. And we're not. And so you've got to start saying, okay, what is the major malfunction of this Falcon team? Well, it's certainly not the defense. Their defense has played better than they ever have under Arthur Smith, and it's probably the best defense they've had in five or six seasons since Dan Quinn. But, yeah. huh, 
here we are again, stuck at mediocrity, falconing at four and five. Yep. And you're right. The soft schedule that we have, we should have been set up to at least have been a bit more successful than what we are currently, obviously. But now, there's not a team, there's not a game on this remaining schedule, including Arizona, that is not losable for this team, that's not losable for this head coach. And I'm not so sure that this head coach is prepared to be a head coach in the NFL. I'm not so sure that Arthur Smith is prepared and worthy enough to call plays in the NFL because his offense is, I mean, let's let Dave Ragone have a game and call some plays and see what's going to be different because Dave Ragone is the offensive coordinator on paper. When stuff gets tense and things get rolling, he'll be the first one that's gone. And I'm convinced he has had nothing to do with scheming this, with coming up with the with the game plan or anything like that. And Arthur Smith is just, he's over his head and he looks lost. You know, Kurt Warner earlier in the week was very critical of Arthur Smith and his play calling. And, of course, Arthur Smith got got his feelings hurt. <laughs> and he, he came back. But then I watched a video today of Kurt Warner going over some concepts. And it's just like... Even in my brain, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm not a head football coach. I've never coached football. But when you look at what they were doing, they had all three wide receivers on the same side of the field running in a play-action pass formation and not blocking ends with anybody. And it's just like, you know, and this was with Ritter at quarterback. By the time he turns around to try to get his head around after doing a fake, he's got... He's got two seconds because nobody's nobody's picking up an end. I mean, how can you run a play-action pass concept and it be deep routes? They have there has to be some short and intermediate, and all three receivers are running deep outs or deep routes. And it just it just I was just like, heck, that didn't make even for me it didn't make sense. And for for a guy like Kirk Warner Hall. Kurt Warner Hall of Famer, it didn't make any sense to him either. Now, if you're going to run play action like that, if you're going to be dumb enough to put all three of your receivers on the same side of the field in the same formation, you've got to have one man that's designated as your safety valve. It runs a four or five yard drag that you can hit in times of trouble. Right. That's not the ideal thing to do, but at least it gets you in positive yardage. And it keeps your quarterback from making a boneheaded deep throw down the field. And it wasn't even the it wasn't even the wide side of the field. It was the short side of the field for crying out loud. That's what really I was like, what are we doing here? They, they, oh, just it was crazy. And Kurt Warner was right for calling out Arthur Smith. To be honest with you, I mean, it oh. just 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 at, at this point, I have no faith in Arthur Smith's ability to call a game or scheme a game that is going to put players in the best position. And that's the job as a head coach, to put your players in the best position to be successful. I mean, you could be as athletic as the next guy at this level, but it's all about putting players in positions to make plays. And right now, I mean, geez, I I just don't know if that's happening on a consistent basis. 
No, I mean, I get it. You're right. I, I really think that this job that Arthur Smith has is way above his head as far as scheming. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously, he knows stuff about football. He spent a, a considerable amount of time as the offensive coordinator for Tennessee. He does something. I don't know if it's his his dad and, and Arthur Blank are buddies or whatever, <laughs> but he did something to catch the eye of Arthur Blank, of Rich McKay, and, and Terry Fontenot. Well, they brought Terry in yeah, about yeah. the same time they did right, Arthur. Right. But still, what he's doing just doesn't make sense. And the job that he's doing, if you or I were doing that kind of performance at our job, we'd have been had a uh, serious talking to, <laughs> if not worse. But yet Arthur is just strolling out here week after week. The only thing that's changed is he shaved his mustache. <laughs> Well, maybe he should have kept that bad boy on just so that nobody would recognize him. I don't know. But, you know, you look at the statistics from yesterday's game, and, you know, the the Vikings ran six more plays than the Falcons did. Uh, The Falcons had more total yards. Um, Passing, Falcons threw for more yards. Uh, But the rushing game, the running game, uh, again, uh, the Vikings ran for more yards. They ran for 146 yards as a team. Uh, and, you know, you look at what they did. Josh Dobbs was the leading rusher. And obviously the big run for them in that game was that in that fourth quarter drive, that drive to win the game on that fourth down play. You know, Dobbs runs for 30 yards and puts them in great position to try to go and they do. They ultimately go and score the touchdown and win the game. And, um, you know, when you look at the overall performance of the Falcons team yesterday, I think you sum it up just like I have already. It's Falcony. You know, one side of the ball played pretty well. You know, the Falcons uh, offense gave the Vikings a couple of short fields in that second half. And uh, in that third quarter, I believe, if I look at this scoring summary correctly, you know, Minnesota scored a field goal and a touch. They scored 10 points in that third quarter, and I think they were both all Falcon turnovers. And so, uh-huh. you know, when you, when you give a team a short field, when you kick four field goals as an offense, um, I mean, it just there are just so many things right now that are going wrong for the Falcons that, you know, and we're doing this with a backup quarterback, (laughs) you know, and Des Ritter, I don't believe, is ever going to be a starter in this league. I've seen enough to know that that guy doesn't understand the value of protecting the football. Tyler Heineke, or excuse me, Taylor Heineke is what Taylor Heineke is. He's a backup quarterback. And so, when you, when you look at the Falcons and look at the remaining schedule they have uh, after the Cardinals, they get a bye week, and then they have the Saints, and then the Jets, and then the Bucks, and then the Panthers, and then the Colts, and the Bears, and then the Saints at the end of the season. Um, you know, I don't feel very good. I don't feel very confident. I don't feel like right now there are five wins in this remaining bank of games after the bye week. I just don't. Uh, I feel like they could beat the Colts. I 
feel like they should beat the Bears, uh, but that'll be a road game. That'll be in Chicago in late December. Uh, and then, you know, they've got the Bucks at home, you know, but, you know, they seem to be playing better as of late, even though yesterday, I believe, they lost, uh, the Bucks did. And so, you know, it just, it just doesn't feel, it, it just doesn't feel like we are going to be in a situation or in a position to go and and win this division because that's what it's going to take. You're not going to get into the playoffs in the NFC uh, as a wild card if you're the Falcons. You've got to win the division. Yeah. If they got any chance, any hope for a postseason, they have got to take care of business with these NFC South opponents, which they should because the NFC South – the whole is a garbage fire in and of itself. <laughs> oh my I mean, goodness! Take these teams. Yeah. It, well, honestly, it's just the truth. And the, the entire and, NFC is a dumpster fire at the moment. To be honest well, with yeah. you, outside of the Eagles, um, who, I mean, who else? I mean, the Cowboys lost to the Eagles last night. Um, uh, you know, uh, who who else is scaring you in the NFC right now? Well, the Niners it, look it. terrible. I mean, you know, just it's going to be. It's going to be interesting as we go into December to see, you know, what team is going to be able to impose their will and become the team to beat in the NFC. Right now, though, it just feels like it's the Eagles division or conference to lose, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, anyhow, so let's go through the scoring summer from yesterday. Uh, I think we've ranted 25 minutes enough to know. If, I think fans realize and understand how we feel about Arthur Smith and where the Falcons are at this point. But, um, again, f- fans, you know, 31-28 was your final yesterday. Uh, key performers, you know, Taylor Heineke, he was 21-38 of 38 for 268. Threw a touchdown, threw an interception. Josh Dobbs, um, you know, was Superman yesterday, man. He came out of the phone booth, went 20 for 30 in an offense that uh, he – never seen before only threw for 158 yards but he threw for two touchdowns and here's the thing that josh dobbs didn't do yesterday he didn't turn the ball over oh. and that you know to me that's a that's a big deal and kevin kevin o'connell i heard him yesterday in a post-game interview riding home he said that you know the vikings went predominantly no huddle yesterday on offense with dobbs and the reason being is he needed that extra time. You know, he is also the play caller. Right. He needed that extra time when he called the play in to tell Dobbs what he, what the scheme is, who he's looking for, and uh, what routes are going to be run. Yeah. That's how – I just – you tell me in high school football around in this West Georgia area if – Carrollton was playing and you know something were to happen to Juju Lewis and the backup comes in that hadn't taken a snap. They're probably not gonna be as successful no. you know, at all. But here once again, the Falcons make the inevitable look like a hero. It, yeah. Essentially that's what we did. Yeah, I mean so it, just, it was really I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the game yesterday. I mean, I, I really just felt like how many more ways as a Falcon fan am I going to have to watch the team I have grown up watching and the team I love watching just 
figure out another way to lose a game, they should win. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the Falcons franchise could produce a book on how to lose football games that you should win. That's, That's just, enough about the Falcons. Yes, going, God, yes absolutely. <laughs> Stop dragging me down this hole, Josh. This, I'm sorry. I'm pit sorry. Of despair. The pit of despair. Offensive line yesterday, like you said, played well. The Titans, uh, you know, they gave up four sacks. You know, uh, Calais Campbell with the sack safety for the Falcons yesterday. David Onyemata had a sack. Nate Landman had a sack. Uh, and Arnold Ebikini had a sack that led to the scoop and almost score for uh, that uh, that we talked about earlier for um, – uh, I believe it was uh, up, up, up. Lorenzo Carter. Yes, Lorenzo Carter. So, you know, it was just uh, – and then, of course, Jordan Hicks had a sack, the only sack yesterday for the Vikings. Um, you know, I, I just – at some point, I'm just going to have to realize that this podcast every week from now until the rest of the season, I mean, we're going to be don- – I, I, I just – I feel this way to the fiber of my being that the, the conversation is going to start and stop with Arthur Smith's inability to put together a solid game plan. You know, Taylor Heineke, what it's worth yesterday, Falcon fans, he was pretty steady. He gave that chance and gave that team a chance to win. Uh, he started real hot yesterday. Uh, he was 8 of 11 in that opening quarter for 88 yards. He had the offense moving, but again, they could only get three points out of that first quarter on the second drive of the game and only three field goals in the first half. Coup, I mean, guy's a weapon. I mean, he scored me 26 points yesterday on my fantasy team. Thank you, Coup, because I needed every point. But I, I don't need young way Coup kicking field goals. I need I need him kicking extra points. And right now, that's not happening. You know, take, you know, poor Daryl Patterson, you know, again, we, we touched on that. Where Where is that dude? I mean, I... At, you know, he is an he he's a weapon that right now Arthur Smith's not using. Uh-huh. And I That's right. I mean, he is. He is, and I don't understand it because he had such a great season last year. <sighs> Falcons brought him back. They re-signed him for this season and brought him back. And he's just standing on the sidelines making money. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, I know he's dealt with some, some injury. You know, the first couple of weeks he was out. Then against Tampa Bay, I mean, he played well in the absence of B. John Robinson, but, you know, at some point, you know, when are we going to say we got to go to win a football game and we need playmakers on the field like Cordero Patterson and B. John Robinson all the time, all the time. You know, B. John Robinson should not be playing 18, 20 plays a game. He should be playing 30, 35, 40 plays a game. And right now that's not happening. And I know Arthur Smith yesterday after the game was talking about how, you know, well, we were in this right look with Algier at the end of the game, and we really liked it. They, you know, we had them stuck in this look, and so we just kept going with it, kept going with it. Dude, I don't want to hear anymore about how you were a brilliant mastermind scheming a look to keep Tyler Algier on the field. I want to hear how you're keeping B. John Robinson on the field. It's he said that he said yesterday that Bijan was a little sore. Look, who's not a little sore? Ninth, it's the ninth game. Exactly, exactly. Oh. At this point in the season, I mean, that's why you pay him the big money. Play sore, play nicked up. It's gonna be okay. 
Yeah. Mama's still gonna love you at the end of the day, and you're gonna be able to you're gonna be able to walk and go home and soak in a tub of Epsom salt if it's that bad. Grow <laughs> oh, up, grow up, build yeah. a bridge, and get over it. Yeah, yeah, man, I I just can't. We've talked about the key 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 moment of the game. You know, um, Johnny Smith. You know, uh, he was starting six times yesterday, five reception, 100 yards, and a touchdown. You know, that big 60 yard uh, play. That's that screen the wide receiver screen for 60 yards was the longest play from scrimmage for the Falcons this year 60 yards and we're nine games into the season yeah and they ran that play they were we saw them run that same play five or six times yesterday and it finally broke yes I was getting tired of seeing it I mean I know it was a comfort throw for Heineke and it it just happened to work but my lord yeah I just I, I can't I can't even I know I've said that a lot. That's probably a bad thing for a podcast because I need to be able to talk. But at some point, I mean, uh, here's another interesting fact about our Falcons. The Falcons are four and five with victories over opponents with a combined record of 11 and 21. I think what that's telling us is, is maybe this Falcon football team is, is not is not exactly as good as maybe we were thinking two or three weeks ago. Yeah, they're not as good as we were hoping yeah. it would be two or three weeks ago. They're beating these bad teams, at which they should, and it's got to the point of this season now where we're so excited when you get a Falcons win over anybody. <laughs> yeah. you start and You start getting a little hope in them, in the Falcons and everything, and just they go the next week and they – Falcon and uh, and just lose a game that they should have won, and and the downward downward spiral just continues. This podcast and our aneurysms <laughs> and blood pressure and all that stuff. You have to rename this as the Pit of Falcon Despair podcast. I think the way yeah. this thing is going and the way it's moving. We talked about the key moment in the game yesterday: the inability to score after the Carter fumble on defense. You know. Calais Campbell played a pretty solid game yesterday, uh, had four tackles uh, and, a, and a tackle for a loss, including the safety. Uh, Nate Landman played a really nice game yesterday. Kate Nellis, both those guys had a lot of tackles. Nate Landman, 10 tackles. Kate Nellis, nine tackles. David Onyemata had 10 tackles for the Falcons yesterday. Jesse Bates and Richie Grant played really good in the back end along with Jeff Akuda. They limited the number of big plays in the passing game yesterday. I think the longest one was 44 yards in that first quarter. Um, but then uh, that was the longest one of the game. Uh, of course, you don't ever want to have a big big game in the a big play in the passing game. But, you know, given just the week before where Levis lit them up for three or four big plays, there was really only one yesterday. So it was nice to see that adjustment and improvement on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, uh, Josh, I, I, I can't imagine uh, that um, Ryan, uh, Ryan Nielsen, uh, you know, felt bad after the game yesterday. At the end of the day, they lost and gave up 31 points. But to me, I'm not really sure if it was entirely the Falcons' defense uh, that – that's responsible for that. When you when you have two turnovers and give short fields, that just makes it difficult. Yeah, you're exactly right. 
Ryan Nielsen and these, these defensive football players deserve a way better offense to counteract what they're doing than they've got. They're keeping the Falcons in ball games. That's the reason that the Falcons play, you know, so close. And it doesn't matter what kind of defense you are. If you keep constantly having your back against the wall in short field situations, I mean, things are going to happen. It's football. You can look at the analytics. It's going to happen. But that defense has played pretty well week in and week out. And that's something that is a great improvement from last year. Yeah. Uh, and Ryan I, Nielsen, I think Ryan Nielsen deserves all that credit. Absolutely. You know, the signings that uh, Terry Fontenot brought to the table in the offseason, I think those have been a big help. Jesse Bates, I think, has been a really, really big help. I think they've had some really good linebacker play between uh, Ellis and Landman. I think those two guys have been nice surprises for the Falcons on the defensive side. Their back end is just so much better, though. I mean, between Okuda and uh, uh, Terrell on the other side and then Bates in the middle, they their back end is just playing better football. And when you can cover, um, you know, you're going to wind up getting more sacks. I mean, that's just the name of the game. Covered sacks happen even in the NFL. And so I think you're going to have that. But, you know, um, when you really look at the last four weeks, I think I said this earlier, Falcons have lost to two backups and a rookie quarterback. And that's the yeah. and that's the difference between being seven and two or excuse me, five and two and four and or five seven and two and four and five, in my opinion. I was right the first time. Yeah. All right, man. Let's let's run into the week nine NFC South recap. Uh last Thursday night, the Bucks and the Texans, uh no, I think they played yesterday. I'm not sure why I have them as the Amazon game Thursday night, but they, they were not the Amazon game Thursday night, right? No, yeah. they, that's right. So, all right, so we're wrong there. But the Bucks and the Texans did play, and the Texans won 39-37. C.J. Stroud, I think you could call this his coming out party, if you will. He was 30-42 for 470 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, tremendous, tremendous performance by the rookie quarterback out of Ohio State yesterday. Yeah, he had a monster game. A monster game, especially for a rookie. 470 yards and responsible for throwing five touchdowns. I mean, that's got to give him all the confidence in the world. Uh, probably has put a little swag, a little bit more of a swagger in his step <laughs> yeah. to practice this week and just building a head of steam and momentum headed into their next week's opponent. And if you really look at, uh, I mean, he, he distributed the ball uh, fairly well. I mean, between, uh, there, he threw five touchdown passes to four different receivers yesterday. My favorite name for a wide receiver, Tank Dell. Tank Dell for the Texans. He had six catches for 114 yards and two tutties yesterday. And then... Uh, so that that's how they win. I will say this to you, and I think we've said this before, Baker Mayfield, when he doesn't have to throw the ball 45 times or even 40 times or even 35 times, the Bucks are more competitive than they were yesterday. Baker Mayfield was 21 of 30 for 265 and two touchdowns. Rashad White had 20 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns. You know, they – 
They played a very good, balanced game on offense. I just think the Bucks defense, I mean, obviously let them down yesterday because of the big game for C.J. Stroud. So the Bucks next week, they're three and five. They'll host the Titans, who are also three and five. The Texans are four and four. They go on the road and face the Bengals next Sunday night on NBC, I believe that is. I believe that's the Sunday night game. So, or no, no, it's not Sunday night game. Man, I can't get Sunday night games in my head right, Josh. So, moving on, number two, the Aints. I mean, Saints, uh, they win yesterday 24-17 over the lowly Chicago Bears. Derek Carr was 25-34 for 211 and two tutties. Alvin Kamara had only nine carries for 26 yards yesterday. Um, and then he also had five targets with four receptions for 44 yards. Uh, my favorite Saint, Taysom Hill, uh, had 11 carries for 52 yards. He also threw a touchdown pass, and he also called a touchdown pass. Um, you know, why can't we have a Taysom Hill in Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, we do. He's called Daryl Patterson. But, um, <laughs> the only difference is Hill gets to see the football field. Um yeah, he gets to play. Yeah, he gets to play. <laughs> Tyson Badgett uh, for the Bears was 18 to 30 for 220 and two tutties, but he threw three interceptions and was sacked twice. That's probably the difference in the game. He also carried the ball eight times for 70 yards. And so the Saints take care of the Bears 24-17. Uh, next week, the Saints, who are now the first place Aints in the NFC South, will host the very team that just beat the Falcons, uh, the Vikings. And, you know, something uh, else to say is the Vikings have won five in a row. They started 0-4 and have rattled off five wins in a row, including yesterday without Kirk Cousins. Uh, so Josh Dobbs, and I saw uh, late this afternoon, right before came on from the podcast tonight, that Josh Dobbs has already been named the starter uh, for Sunday's game against the Aints. So hopefully Josh can put it together and go win in that terrible dome stadium in New Orleans on Sunday. They'll play at 1 o'clock. Finally, the Panthers lose to the Colts yesterday. Bryce Young was 24-39 for 173 yards and a touchdown in three interceptions. Uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, had 16 carries for 58 yards. Uh, Adam Thielen uh, did not have a big game yesterday. Had a big game last week, which I think was one of the difference makers for the Panthers in their first win of the season. And then my favorite, uh, play that back, DJ Shark. Play it back. Play it back. Play it back, DJ. Play it back. Uh, he had two receptions for nine yards, but he caught the touchdown, which is why I mentioned him here. Plus, I like the name DJ. It's kind of cool. So, for the Colts, Gardner. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gardner Minshew, uh, very pedestrian numbers. Uh, only three for 127 yards and a touchdown. The difference maker for the Colts yesterday, though, was Kenny Moore, the second on defense. He had two pick sixes yesterday, totaling 115 yards for the Colts. And obviously, that was the difference in the game 14 points. Um, and so the Panthers. They go to Chicago for Thursday night. They're the Thursday night game on Amazon. I can tell that definitively. And then the Colts, they go to they go to Germany to play the Patriots in Frankfurt, Germany, on Sunday morning uh, as the second part of that doubleheader game uh, back-to-back weeks as the NFL goes to Germany. And that is your NFC South recap. 
Uh, oh, oh, I forgot the Falcons. They go to Arizona this Sunday. They It's a late game at 4 o'clock. Um, and, you know, the Cardinals, um, there's some talk about whether Kyler Murray will be activated this week and play in Sunday's game. Uh, Jonathan Gannon has been kind of coy today. I read a couple of different things. And, and uh, so we'll see if Murray is activated and starts on Sunday for the Cardinals, which if he does – uh, you know, that'll be a big uh, thing maybe for the Cardinals to, to keep under their hat. Uh-huh. And I think I think a couple of things that I heard said that all indications from Gannon was that's who he was going to go with okay. um, to start against the Falcons. I don't know, you know, nobody knows except for the coach and Kyler Murray or the other quarterback who's going to start. But, I mean, you got to – if you're the Falcons – and Ryan Nielsen, you've got to prepare for Tyler Murray. Yeah, and be be surprised and happy if he doesn't play. Yeah, because the the, the quarterback they started uh, this past week is no Kyler Murray for sure. Um, no. All right, so there's your uh, NFC uh, Week Nine, NFC South Week Nine recap. Week Nine in season picks this past week, I went six and zero on the pick. Tree and Josh went five and one. Uh, he picked the Cowboys. I picked the Eagles. Um, I'm always going to pick the Eagles. Uh, no, I'm just playing. Uh, anyhow, 15 and three on the season for me. So I'm at a pretty good clip. Josh, however, is at 500. Excuse me, 12 and six, uh, and needing some wins this week. So I threw some games at Josh to pick this week. For week 10, and the first game I threw at him was Saints at the Vikings, Sunday 1 o'clock in that pit of the south, otherwise known as New Orleans. Josh, who are you going with on Sunday? I will never pick the Saints. <laughs> never. Not never. I'm going right. with the Vikings. All right. Well, I like it, and I'm with you. I don't care if uh, somebody is trying to give me a million dollars. I'll never pick the New Orleans Saints. All right, next game, Packers at Steelers. Uh, this ought to be an interesting game. The Packers um, continue to play very mediocre football with Jordan Love at quarterback. The Steelers, uh, again, uh, had a hard-fought game this past week uh, and pulled out – I believe they pulled out a win uh, on Sunday uh, with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Um you know, right now the Steelers just feel like they're a team that they're they're capable of winning an ugly football game. I think it's where Arthur Smith wants to be, um, but uh, he's no Mike Tomlin. I'm going with the Steelers. Yeah, you put me down for the Steelers as well. All right, okay. Tomlin, Tomlin just has he always has that team ready to go, and the Packers, like you said, are just playing meh, just meh football with Jordan Love, and I don't think. Pittsburgh's not an easy place to get things rolling. No, for sure it's not. All right, next game, 49ers at Jaguars. This is a this is a nice matchup here. Both teams uh, are at the top of each uh, conference. The Niners and the NFC, they, uh, they are struggling, though, at the moment. Uh, the Jags uh, uh, appear to be playing pretty decent football. I'm going to take the Jags at home over the Niners. Yep, that's what I'm going with, the Jaguars. Jaguars, good Lord. <laughs> I won't. 
the 49ers is nothing against them, but it's everything against Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> oh. I haven't forgiven him for the Super Bowl debacle yet, and I may not ever. Yeah, so, I, I feel you, brother. Jaguars. I feel you. I feel you so much, man. I, a part of me just I, – I don't even want to revisit 28-3 right now. Lions no, and Chargers. No. <laughs> uh, but we need to do a podcast about 28-3 at some point. I think that would be kind of cool kind of give our perspective about that where we were and what our thoughts were all right lines and chargers um again a, a, you know a, a nice game here i thought to pick the lions and dan campbell and jared goff playing pretty good football right now you know it's interesting how dan campbell and arthur smith were both hired in the same coaching cycle but right now it, it appears dan campbell uh, is building himself a pretty good franchise. They have hit on every stinking draft pick they have made over the last two seasons, and it's really showing up between Jameer Gibbs and Amon St. Brown and all of those guys that have come in. You know, I'm going to take the Lions on the road to beat the Chargers. Yeah, that's that's who I was going with as well. Uh, Dan Campbell just has those guys playing really really good spirited football the chargers are just having kind of a ho-hum year nothing special nothing just exciting or stand out um so yeah i think the lions come in and just really overwhelm the chargers on sunday all right so lines over the chargers are browns and ravens a great afc north battle here um you know uh both these teams are playing really good football right now uh, I believe Deshaun Watson started yesterday, uh, and Lamar Jackson is well. He's he's being Lamar Jackson at the moment, and because this game is at Baltimore, and because they just came off a really impressive win Sunday, I'm going with the Ravens at home to beat the Browns. Yeah, and and I wanted my son. The Cleveland Browns are his favorite team. Of course, he loves Nick Chubb, but he loves Deshaun Watson. He loves Amari Cooper, and they're really, really playing great football. They blanked Arizona yesterday, which isn't really saying anything. <laughs> but but Baltimore is that sneaky team in the AFC. That's that sneaky team that's going to mess around. They're going to end up being in the mix. I think they're going to play for the AFC championship. So I'm going. I'm gonna go Ravens as well. Okay. All right. All right. Final game. I'll let you pick it first, Josh. Jets at the Raiders. Of course, everybody knows uh, the Raiders made a coaching change. Josh McDaniels now gone, and in at interim is Antonio Pierce. Uh, you know, I think Antonio Pierce is famous for being in the same uh, club that. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Plaxico Burris got shot in. As a matter of fact, I think uh-huh. he, he took the gun and hit it for a time being. Uh, so I'm not really sure what kind of guy Antonio Pierce is, is in the locker room. Uh, but uh, who you got in this one? I think the Raiders probably did right by firing McDaniel and getting rid of him. I just, and I think the Raiders will be playing inspired and, and, and exciting football for the new interim coach Antonio Pierce but in a game like that and everything give me Robert Saleh and give me the Jets Yeah, I, I'll yeah. take the Jets even without Aaron Rodgers okay. <laughs> I hear you 
You know, I, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this game today, and it's only because, uh, you know, when when coaches coaching changes happen, like this one did, it makes you wonder what was really truly going on in that locker room. And I'm wondering if those guys don't rally around Antonio Pierce and play an inspired game. However, I will say this. I think the Jets right now in the AFC are a team that people don't want to play because I think everybody has underestimated the Jets and continue to do so. And I think that's what Robert Sala wants, to be honest with you. He wants to play that ugly Arthur Smith type of game he wants to run the football, control the clock, beat you with his defense. And I think on Sunday, that's what the Jets will do. I'm going to go ahead and take the Jets as well on Sunday. So I have the Vikings, Steelers, Jags, Lions, Ravens, Jets. Josh has the Vikings, Steelers, Jags, Lions, Ravens, Jets. Uh, so we're both picking the same games. So we'll see if Josh and I go 6 0 or 0 6 on Sunday. Okay, Week 10 preview. We've already kind of covered that. Falcons and Cardinals. Heineke was named the starter uh, today. Smith said they're going to readdress it at the bye week. Uh, you know, that, that's a loaded statement as far as I'm concerned. Maybe Arthur, Arthur Blank should reassess Arthur Smith at the bye week, but that's another, another conversation for another time. Clayton Toon was the quarterback that started on Sunday. Um, and, I, you know, <laughs> I know you said what you said about Kyler Murray, but, you know, if I'm Jonathan Gannon, I look at the Falcons and say, hey, this team has lost to a, a rookie quarterback and two backups in the last three weeks. So why not throw Clayton Tune out there and see what we can do? I say that in gist, obviously. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray at 50% is probably better than 90 or 100% of Clayton Tune. So we'll see what the – Cardinals bring. That'll be a 4 o'clock. It'll be a late game. Um, and so let's hope we can get a win out in Arizona and at least get back to 500 going in to the bye week. Yeah, I, you know, the, the Cardinals could start Clayton Tune, and by all means, the Falcons would let him have the, his coming out <laughs> game against them. Um, the way the trend's been going here lately, I do think, in all honestly, all honesty, I think the Falcons, I don't know, I think they scratch, claw, and fight and figure out a way to get back on the winning side of things this week. Yeah. They better. Yeah. If they don't, I think Arthur Smith just needs to stay in Arizona and don't even get on the airplane. Well, fly back to I mean, Atlanta. now let's think about it. If they're four and six coming out of that game, they have seven games left. Again, Saints, Jets. Right now, I couldn't pick them to beat either one of those teams. I, oh. I think they beat the Bucks once already this year, but that was a very close football game on the road. I think they could beat the Panthers, no doubt about that. But the Colts, the the Bears, uh, and the I mean, I I don't see five wins there. I mean, they need to get to five and five and hope to go four and one over the final. F- you know, stretch of the season, uh, or, or excuse me, not four and one, maybe go four and three. If they could go four and three the last seven games, if they get to 500, that makes them uh, nine and eight, and that might, 
you know, that might be enough to win the NFC South. But again, they're going to have to win the NFC South in order to make the playoffs. Okay, man, let's wrap it up with what's my favorite. What do you got tonight? My favorite Halloween candy. I know we just <laughs> we just passed Halloween, it, and it's not quite. I was going between either my favorite Halloween candy or my favorite Thanksgiving dish. Oh. And hopefully, surely, between now and Thanksgiving, the Falcons won't give us a cause for any more aneurysms so that we might can do that favorite Thanksgiving dish a little bit later on. My favorite Halloween candy, though, is, in my opinion, the pinnacle of all candy. I'm going on the chocolate side of things, but it is a Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, man. I love it. Peanut butter is my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Peanut butter and chocolate together, and I don't know what they do. It's just incredible. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups, my favorite. Reese's peanut butter cups are definitely in my top three candies of all time. (sighs) Man, I, you know, what's my favorite Halloween candy? And that's a tough one for me because I do like the, the chocolate and peanut butter side. But there's one piece of candy that when I see it in my son's bucket, I know I'm going to grab it, and that is the Tootsie Roll or the Tootsie Roll Tootsie Roll Pop. Every time. I oh, love yeah. it. I love uh, a good Tootsie Roll or a good Tootsie Roll Pop. Even the Tootsie Rolls that aren't chocolate, you know, the, the different flavor uh-huh. ones, the vanilla or the cherry. Cherry, I love those two. Uh, that, that, that would be. So if I had to really just rank them, that, you know, that Tootsie Roll – I mean, just barely over the the Reese's peanut butter cup. I mean, that's how close it is for me. So, uh, those are our favorite things, uh, Halloween candy style, on this Monday, November the sixth, two thousand and twenty-three. We're gonna wrap up this week's show of two dirds, two two dirds. I feel like a dirt at the moment. <laughs> two dudes and the dirty birds. Uh, this week, we want to thank again our good friends at the Morning Five, Billy Lindahl and Bryce Sparling. Josh, where are you going to be on Friday night? Well, I don't know yet. Okay. All right. I, I think we'll probably be at Bowden. Okay. That's the closest game on Friday. And then I think we may go to Central Saturday night. To okay. Check out that one as All well. Right. Good deal. Good you'll deal. Probably see, you'll probably see me in Bowden. All right, Friday. man. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you in Bowden. Forks up, my friend. And for our friends listening tonight here on Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds, we want to say thank you for listening. And thank you again to the Morning Five who is presenting Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds for Josh Stitcher. I'm Patrick Edson. We'll see you next week on this best football podcast south of the Mason-Dixon line, Two Dudes and the Dirty Birds.